going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Philly Four Court Press. I'm your host, Big T. Will. I got the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Nat Marlowe, on the other side. What's up, Nat? Yo, what's going on? Uh, I don't know. You tell me, man. How you doing this week? I'm doing good. Doing good. Get ready to produce the Sixers soon. So it looks like we're going to have a, a good game tonight. I mean, I don't think they're going to have back-to-back losses. Do you? Um, Not sure. It's a tough road trip. Four-game road trip. Started off with Sacramento. was a tough game. Uh, had Portland. Portland's always a tough place to play at. Phoenix, another tough place to play at. And then they're going to end up in Utah. So, you know, the Sixers' record against those teams on the road uh, are always challenging. But, um, you know, we'll get into that into the show. But uh, I'm glad you're doing good, man. Uh, you've been busy this week, huh? Yeah, I'm always busy. So it's like nothing nothing new. Just... <laughs> Yeah, nothing new lately with you and that. But, uh, you know, at least you didn't call me a fool this week. I appreciate that. (laughs) What if I did, man? man? What if I send you another text? (laughs) (laughs) You may uh, have started a new running joke here, man. Yeah, you know, potential. There's always potential to it. (laughs) Don't add fuel to the fire. (laughs) Because that's when you give me ideas. Yeah, oh, I gotta be careful now. Definitely gotta be careful now. Shots fired. But um, I'd like to welcome in uh, our audience, that are, our, our local, our, 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 I said local, but I want to say loyal, our loyal listeners. And I'd like to welcome in all our new listeners. I uh, hope you uh, enjoy the show. Appreciate you tuning in. We always love the feedback. So uh, if you have anything to say to us, you can always reach me at uh, Big T Will 34 or at Nat. Marlowe at Nat underscore Marlowe, I should say. Right, Nat? Yes, sir. And Nat, tell me what's our uh, Philly Full Court Press handle. So our Full Court Press handle is, it's on Twitter. It's at Full Court, that's spelled P-H-U-L-L-C-O-U-R-T, 7-6. Keeping it simple, keeping it simple. And uh, Nat, good. I want to transition a little bit today. Uh, we'll talk about our Sixers. Yes, they played this week. They, like I said, they had a, uh, you know, they they split one and one right now. They got two games left on this road trip, and uh, they're in Phoenix. Uh, as we said later on tonight, and it, it's going to be an interesting game. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, our lethal backcourt. Uh, Aiton looks like he's turned into something special, and they got Bridges. And uh, Bridges compliments them really well. So the Suns are are well coached by uh, Monty Williams, and it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a definitely a challenge. But um, we talk about Ben Simmons and his defense right now because you know he's got, he had to guard De'Aaron Fox, he had to guard uh, Dame Lillard, and now he's got to handle CP3 or Devin Booker, and then the game after that. He's got to go up against uh, Donovan Mitchell. Talk to me when I say those names and Ben Simmons' defense, Nat, with this stretch. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind is that his defense is and presence are missed when he's not out there with the team. You need Ben Simmons if you want to succeed defensively. Otherwise, look, without him, then you absolutely have to produce on the offense. That's the only way 
this team can win consistently if you're not going to have Ben Simmons consistently. Just keep putting up the offense, and at least hopefully with Seth Curry back, you can start to generate more threes. Because you know we were talking earlier, and you said, "Look, with Seth back, you know he starts putting up threes. That's when everyone else starts to get rolling too." And I'm hoping yeah. they won't miss Ben Simmons a whole lot because I mean, with that starting five, they're 14 and one with the set starting five. Yeah, Ben Simmons, like whenever he's gone, that's when they tend to lose. So and vice I, versa with the MVP, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can't win without Joel Embiid either. Like, granted, Joel Embiid is a bigger factor to this team than Ben Simmons is, but I don't get like I understand the trade Ben people because they only see offense. But they note it boggles my mind how they don't notice the defense when he's not out on the court. It does. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I'll give you two. I give you two two uh, situations to back your uh, point up. And uh, we're talking about the uh, Portland game in the first quarter. Uh, the Sixers are making a little push to try to extend their lead, and they go up five. And it's under a minute left, and Matisse fouls Dame Lillard, taking a three a three pointer. So Dame Lillard goes back to the line. He knocks down all three shots. Sixers come back down, hit a three. Matisse fouls Dame Lillard again, taking a three. So you totally killed the momentum by not playing defense and allowing yourself to get caught up in the pick and roll. And running into Lillard trying to uh, re- recover. You can't do that. That I think in the first quarter that game was a big swing. Because if the Sixers could have had a little momentum coming out of that quarter, you know, they could have had a, a jump start in the second quarter and didn't have to play from behind. They lost a lot of, a lot of momentum and starch with those back-to-back fouls. Because you just gave them six points with the clock stop basically. So Doc switched Ben back on Dane and throughout the game it looked like he, you know, let's be real, Dane Lillard is one of the greats in our in our league right now so he's going to get his no matter what. But he had to work for it and that's what you want from your defensive player, Ben Simmons. He's making the other guys work for it. And he's coming up with stops, steals, deflections throughout. So it wasn't easy for Lillard to get what he had when Ben Simmons was on him. Um, you know, Ben Ben's game is evolving defensively. And there was a uh, – after post game, uh, Ben talked about that. Nat, play that clip for me uh, that uh, we got caught up for Philly Full Court Press. Yeah, I mean, I, I take – Take pride in guarding the best player on the floor every night. You know, it's not it's not a one-off thing. You know, if you watch me, I'm typically guarding the best player, and you know, typically the best players are guards or, or shooting guards, whatever the case, point guards, whatever it is. And I love that. I love the fact that my teammates can look at me and tell me, you know, you gotta go out and lock this guy up. You know, there's, there's nights that guys go off, it's gonna happen, but you know, most of the time, I, I feel like I'm doing a good job and, and making the right plays, and you know, I feel like I'm the best defender in the NBA. Nat, Ben Simmons says he feels he's the best defenseman, defense player in the, in the league. You, you agree with him? I wouldn't say he's the best, but his presence is 
His defense is the most noticeable when he's not out there. I think a lot of it's because this Sixers team doesn't have defense. Ben Simmons is the defense. He's the guy. Yeah, uh, he's the guy. He's the head of the snake. I think he spearheads it. Uh, That block. Did you see that block he had on Gary Trent? Yeah. That recovery block? Oh, Oh, my God. Cutting up the the way Tom McGinn has called that. I I had to look up at the the screen. I had to watch that over and over again. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, his defense is, is legit, ladies and gentlemen. It's legit. And that was probably one of the best blocks I've seen this year. Not saying it. You know, this year's done yet, but right now, a third of the way through the season, that's probably one of the best blocks I've seen this year. Ben's the head of the snake. And another guy whose defense is coming up, I talked about him already, was Matisse, even though he had those two, you know, costly fouls against Dane that, that got Portland rolling. Matisse's defense has just gotten better and better and better each game. Uh, since he's gotten healthy, Matt. And he compliments Ben so well, especially when they get that that quick trap on the baseline or on the sideline with those two. I mean, their hands are so active. And Matisse is settling into his role. Matisse leads the lead in deflections off the pass. If I'm not mistaken, I, I did see that stat. And Ben's like fourth. So you got two guys that are making headway in the top five of defensive deflections. And I remember them putting up that stat because Robert Covington was in that as well because Covington did make a, a nice play at the end of the uh, the game there. So Doc sees something here with, with Ben, and we've played the clips. We talked about it. Doc said it, and Ben just said it right there. Now, I think Ben is the best on-ball defender right now. You know, for him to, like he said, for him to be 6'11", and most of the guard being a lot shorter, and his job is just to keep them in front and not penetrate so much. I've seen a big difference in that, Matt. I mean, his on-ball defense has been top-notch this season. Yeah, and look, again, his presence is missed. What You need Ben Simmons defensively. That's it. I get it. Like, points are a lot. I get it. You want him to shoot the jump shot. Yeah, there's that. And he would be a perfect basketball player if he were to finally nail that jump shot. And the team would be a perfect team if he were to nail that jump shot. But we might have to live with the route in the situation that he's never going to do it. And as long as he is able to keep putting up defensively, I can live with that. As long as his team keeps winning, I can live with that. But if it costs him a playoff series, that's when I can't live with it. So it's a problem that still needs to be addressed in some way, shape, or form. But there's there's still potential to do it. And I'm worried that if the team trades him now, they're going to lose something defensively if they try to go out and get someone who does have a jump shot but who's not great defensively. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's happening. But I, you know, I agree with you. And it's funny you you went in, you transitioned into that because I found a clip. I don't usually watch the uh, hot take shows or anything like that because one, they're exhausting. Two, uh, they say things to get the reactions out of the fans who then go right to social media and start screaming about it. But I find this one interesting. 
and it's from a, a you know, a well-known hot taker, Mr. Stephen A. Smith, who's funny sometimes, and sometimes he's a little over the top. But um, he said something a few weeks ago that caught my interest because it's a, it's a lot about what we talk about here locally in the Philadelphia market about Ben Simmons and the Sixers and what needs to be done for them to get to the next level with Ben Simmons. Nat, play that clip for me real quick. What it comes down to is Ben Simmons being on the court and being a threat offensively. If he's a threat, if he's somebody that you have to pay attention to, it's going to free up shot opportunities for other people, including Embiid, along with others. If you don't do that, you essentially get to play four-on-five basketball against the Philadelphia 76ers, particularly with Ben Simmons not being a perimeter threat. We know he could take the ball to the hole and finish at the basket and score there. But when you can score from the perimeter, it opens the floodgates for you offensively. And that's what Ben Simmons needs to do. I don't care what anybody says. Speaking to Daryl Morey last night, he acknowledged it to some degree. Obviously, Doc Rivers thinks otherwise. You have to, in my estimation, be able to shoot jump shots in order for you to win the chip if you are the Philadelphia 76ers. You need Ben Simmons to be able to be some kind of threat to keep opposing defenses honest. If not, it will come back to bite you when it really counts. Not during the regular season. Not during the early rounds of the playoffs. But eventually, it will come back to bite you against the elite teams. So, Stephen A. Smith says Ben Simmons has to take that shot. He has to take the 12 to 14-foot shot because it's going to open up the floor more for Curry, Green, Harris, and Embiid. As much as the floor is open now, it's going to expand. And I've said that, Nat. you said that. The thing that struck me was when Stephen A. said it's not necessarily about the regular season. It's more for the playoffs. And he's right. It's more, it's more so about the playoffs. Because in the playoffs, the game changes to a half-court game. You don't – the Sixers don't get up and down and get on the break as much because teams get back on defense. Any in the NBA playoffs, you know, it, it tightens up. So we know that when you're playing Ben Simmons, you form that wall across the uh, foul line. It's almost like a, a three, two where they got the three guys up front, form a wall, two guys on the box, keeping uh, people out of the paint. And the two, so to space that court, Doc has a guy in the left corner, a guy in the right corner, because the two guys on the box are, are packed in. So you put Embiid on one box, and Ben comes to the middle, and then you have either Toby or Green on the wing, which we've seen. So if Ben takes that shot consistently, starts taking that shot, and the guys step up, the double's not going to happen on Embiid so fast. You see what I'm saying, That You following me? I do, yeah. And okay. Joel Embiid, I, 
what else is there to say about that dynamic duo, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? That you I can mean, win it's, with it's that huge duo. Right now. You can win with that duo. You just consistently need them every single night. And I understand like load management, you gotta rest your well. I mean, he's a big guy. Look, look. I understand load management drives a lot of people crazy, but sometimes you have to do it. With Joel Embiid, unfortunately, you kind of have to do it. And Ben Simmons, like whatever he's going through, like injuries and stuff like that, he's probably not going to be available every single night. That's what drives me nuts, Ben Simmons not being available. Not necessarily Joel Embiid, because I know what I'm getting out of Joel. I don't necessarily know what I'm getting out of Ben Simmons consistently each and every single night. The only thing consistently you're going to get from him right now is his defense. And, you know, I'm okay with that as long as the Sixers are winning. When, they not, when they're not winning and they and if the Sixers hit a losing streak and he's not playing well on the defensive end and, you know, his offensive numbers are subpar, then, yes, I have a problem. But right now I have no issue. I have, I have zero concern because of our coaching staff. Our coaching staff won't allow that to happen, and that's why I'm so high on it right now. But so let me get back to that thought with Embiid getting doubled so quickly because when Ben gets in that paint and he stops, his first look is usually in front of him. Now, if he spins and kicks it to the wing, hopefully the the defenseman on the left or right can't recover in time and you have an open three on the wing. They make the extra pass. You got to open three in the corner. But when he dumps it down in the MB coming down the middle, the double team comes down too quickly on MB. And the thing I like that MB's doing right now, he's making quick decisions passing out of the double team, which Doc has said that's what we've been working with with Joel, and he's been consistently doing it. So, you're telling me Embiid's coachable. Doc and the coaching staff have been coaching uh, Embiid up, and Embiid is doing what he has to do. It's funny because at one point we weren't sure if Embiid was coachable, but we all I, listen. I've I've been on record saying maybe Embiid was doing what the coaches wanted him to do when he took all those three pointers last season and the season prior. Because that was the style of that coach. Mismanaged the player, mismanaged the team, and ultimately mismanaged the games. And for me, that's why I feel like he's not here. But to get back on what I say, so the spacing – on the court would open up a lot more and it'll be more options for the Sixers to have. So I, I kind of agree. I agree with Stephen A. Smith. I see his point. I still think the Sixers can get over the hump without Ben consistently taking that shot right now, but eventually he's going to have to at least pull it. He's going to have to pull. It. You can't, you can't continue to play regular season style of basketball into the playoffs. It just doesn't work. Teams make adjustments and they attack you and they attack your weaknesses. The good teams. And most of the teams in the playoffs are good teams, except for the seventh and eighth seeds. They're the ones that you want to dump real quick. Get them in, get them out and get ready for the second round. So 
Ben Simmons says he's the best defenseman in the NBA. Nat says he's not so sure, but he's in conversation. I think he's the best defenseman in the NBA on ball right now. Man, man up. Because they try to do – teams put Ben in a lot of pick and roll to get Ben off of that defender. You do that for a reason, to, to get different matchups, to get a better matchup for your guard or whoever has the ball to do some damage. And I feel like if you're doing that consistently and Ben's consistently getting through the picks or, you know, still staying with his man, you got you got championship success right there. Daryl Morey, championship or bust, Nat. Championship or bust? You still you on that still, or or are you still waiting? Look, still waiting. Like we've talked about it a lot. When you not you might not win this year with this team, but the window you have what a two three year window. I would I would agree two three yeah absolutely. Well then there you go. I mean I I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket with this team, but I think they have a better shot at winning year one than they do two and three. If they work out the kinks this year, then I would have more faith in years two and three. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, this year they're under the radar, man. And we spoke about that. Not, not being, not playing on Christmas, not having a lot of national, um, televised games. And I, I, I was on board with that. Let them stay under the radar. Let them continue to hoop. Let them not put a target on themselves and have too much pressure from talks of the media, national media, about the team. Because they're not getting it. The talk is still hard in, in the nets. And they can't play defense against, on, They can't play defense with five-year-olds. I mean, it, there, there's no defense on that team. None. When you got to go out and sign a guy like Norvell Pell to your squad for a little bit of defense, that's telling me something, that you're in trouble. So that team, as much as offensive power that they have, I doubt that they're going to come out of the East because they don't play any defense. So coming up, we're going to dig into a little bit of the Sixers offense and analytics and what's going on with that right now. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, MVP, if the Sixers win the East, do the Sixers got to win the East for the big man to win the MVP? Hey, man, we got that so much more on Philly Full Court Press. Stay with us, fam. Grab your drinks. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. If you want to make something that truly reflects the city of Philadelphia, it better be great. It better stand the test of time. You better expect the work if you want the results. That's just how the city was built. And that's just how we're made. You see, here, greatness requires a push and a pull. A challenge, a goal, a chase, a pursuit. But when you get there, by day or night, you'll turn the curve into as great a city as you'll find anywhere. 
where the stars light up the night. Reflecting icon. Rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. Reflecting greatness. Iverson has Jordan. Yeah! Reflecting the spirit of competition that has fueled us from the start. Built for the city. Built for the night battle. We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. Social distancing is really physical separation of people. It's what we refer to when we ask people to stay at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus still spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You're at higher risk if you are over 65 or if you have any serious underlying medical conditions like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, wash your hands frequently with soap and water for 20 seconds. Avoid touching your face. Disinfect frequently touched objects. And wash up after being in public spaces. And when it comes to social situations, less is better. Stay six feet or two arm lengths away from other people. Better still, stay home if you can. If you're sick, please stay home and away from others. And if you think you've been exposed to the virus, call your healthcare provider before going to their office. In challenging times, the choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. What's up, everybody? This is Carmelo Anthony. Hope everyone is staying healthy. During this time, you know, we should all be looking out for one another and staying calm staying safe. I'm just trying to stay positive as much as possible. Continue to spend this great time with your loved ones. I think it gives us a lot of perspective. Call some of your friends or your family and let them know how much you, you love them and how much you care about them. Practice compassion. We have to be kind and really practice a sense of community. We're going to get through this thing one way or another and the appreciation level for everything will be at an all-time high. We all miss fans and our teammates and basketball. This is only a virus that we can beat together. Hopefully we'll be seeing you guys Welcome back, everybody. Full Court Press, T. Will, Nat Marlowe. Hey, Nat, real quick. Um, did you did you get a chance to see uh, or listen to 
my first radio spot. Your first act, boy, you were on actual radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, someone reached out to me, uh, Mitch uh, Bernstein, I think his last name was, from uh, Sports Talk Radio on the uh, internet. Um, I did uh, tweet it out to you, didn't I? Yeah, I thought that was a. I thought that was another podcast. I didn't realize it was a an actual radio show. <laughs> yeah, it was an actual radio show. Go check it out. Wow, good for you. Uh, yeah, hit that applause button, man. I appreciate that. Uh, hopefully, uh, it turns into something. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, Sixers got a tough one on the road uh, today. Uh, early game, that uh, three o'clock game this afternoon. So hopefully by uh, the time uh, we get this out and uh, we get the game going, we'll be talking about uh, a Sixer W. Uh, like I said, Phoenix is a tough team, 15-9, uh, uh, playing well. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, always been a problem that. I think Devin Booker is one of my top three favorite players to watch, Nat. What about you? Ooh. Mm, top three? Oh, yeah. I, I love watching Booker play. I'll go top 10. I wouldn't necessarily say top three. See, I see. I love. I, I like Lillard. I like Booker. And I like Westbrook. Just the fact that you never know what you're going to see with Westbrook. I love watching him play. And his attitude he has against that's, other that, teams. That's weird. That's why I like watching Westbrook too, because of the attitude <laughs> just gets up <laughs> under everyone's skin. And I love, I love players that do that in any sport. I love, even if they're playing against my team, and it drives me nuts as a fan. It, it but it makes it entertaining to watch. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you just he he has so much energy and firepower with him with himself playing against other teams and he just you just don't know what you're going to get out of and I enjoy I I, I enjoy it especially his run when he averaged the triple double for the whole year with uh OKC that was that was like that was musty uh TV watching him night in night out like he he's just he's a great he's a guy you you want on your team but you hate playing against him and uh I hope he finds a, a good fit because I don't want to see him be that type of guy who keeps getting bounced around looking for a team. Should have stayed in OKC, but, you know, that's neither here or there. So, anyway, uh, Sixers and Suns. Sixers are minus one tonight. Overrunners, 227. Um, money lines even, uh, minus 110. Uh, Sixers are 14 and one. And they're on the, with their uh, starting five on the floor, as we said. Uh, Phoenix got some players that uh, could be questionable. Dario's, uh, Dario Sarge, former Sixer, out with his ankle. And uh, Cameron Payne, who uh, I like as well. That was a good signing by Phoenix uh, with a foot. So both of those guys are questionable for tonight's game. Um, so I look at this game. With Sarge's, Sarge being out, uh, Karen Payne being out, this is a Joel Embiid game because I don't think, it, even as well as Embiid's playing right now, I don't think Aiton can handle Embiid. There's no possible way. Embiid's just like on another planet right now. And the Suns are very limited when it comes to a backup center. 
you know, Frank Kaminsky, I, I'm not uh, <laughs> too worried about at all. So this game, if you want to control this game, it, it's the this is a big man game tonight. You know, get the big man involved early. Um, get him going. He he's uh, averaging almost 29, 30 points a game the last couple. Uh, you know, these last few weeks, and he's just on an absolute MVP roll. And he's he, this is going to have to be his a dominant performance from Embiid. I mean, let's look at it. He's been putting over twenty five points a game the last ten games. And the only people who have done that in the Sixers organization has been Will Chamberlain, Charles Barkley, and Allen Iverson. Are they good? <laughs> I'm not too sure, but I, I, I'll take a guess and say they're pretty good because all three are in the NBA Hall of Fame and all three have their numbers hanging up in the Wells Fargo Center. So they're pretty good. And Embiid has scored 30, 33 points in his last eight out of ten. And he's got six double-doubles. I mean, does this not scream big man game to you tonight, Nat? It screams Joel Embiid can have another dominant game. Yeah. Big man, MVP. Hey. Go out there and have fun. Control the game. Slow down Chris Paul. Slow down Devin Booker. Get those points from the uh, foul line. Get those points from the foul line. Get those guys in foul trouble, and make and make it make it tough. Make it tough on Phoenix, because Booker could get hot like Lily. Booker is, you know, he's almost averaging twenty four points a game during the Suns' uh, seven and one uh, run right now. Their last eight, they're playing really well. They're starting to gel. He had 36 the other night against uh, Cleveland. And prior to that, he had 30 against uh, Milwaukee. So Booker Booker's hot. So Embiid, Embiid should dominate the inside. Ben Simmons has another tough challenge guarding Booker and trying to keep him under 30 as well. You know, Booker's just coming off a game last season. He hit eight eight three-pointers against the Sixers. He was like five of eight or something like that. Remember that game last year? Yeah. Where he he, he, he kind of went nuts in the fourth quarter against the Sixers. Sixers always had problems playing against Booker. So I'd like to see Embiid and uh, Simmons take full control of this game. And the height advantage is on the Sixers' side as well. So... You get that mismatch, get Ben down in the post, get him to the foul line, get Embiid to get DeAndre Ayton in trouble. Kaminsky, I'm not worrying about. Tobias Harris is going to get involved because he's going to have uh, a younger Bridges following him, who's a good defense defenseman. X-Factor is always going to be Curry. He's a number two three-point percentage shooter in the NBA still. And he looks like he's finally recovered from his fatigueness from uh, COVID, which is huge, Nat, because the Sixers need him. They need him right now. And you could tell the Sixers need him based on, you know, as we said, the analytics. 
I'm not really big on analytics, but you know, it's a tool in the toolbox. It's not, it's not per se the the whole arsenal. Use it to your advantage, but don't use it to don't use it too much. Yeah, it's you're not right. a Swiss Army knife. And it's like I don't understand why coaches use it as the end all be all. It's a tool. Stats and analytics have always been used as a tool. One of the first things I learned when getting into the industry was don't get lost in the stats. And it just boggles my mind how many coaches get obsessed. They worship them like they're gods. Like, no, they are a tool. You have to use them to your advantage. They're not the entire game. You got to use the eye test as well. Like, like, come on. Like, like if Seth Curry <laughs> is putting up, if Seth Curry is putting up three after three, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep him in the game and have him keep shooting threes because he's on a roll. And maybe that magic is going to rub off on everyone else. If he's hitting three after three, I'm not taking him out of the game. Why would I do that? No, I'm going to like keep him out there as often as I can. Rest him when I can as well. That way he doesn't like overdo it. But you know, I'm not. I'm going to use him. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bench him for an entire half. That's stupid. Listen, you know I'm a big eye test guy. I'm a big eye test guy. You know. Stay out of you've seen uh, a couple uh things I put on social media and that stay out of the box scores. Stay out of the box scores. Watch the game. Watch the flow. Watch the pace. See what the guys are doing other than what the box score is telling you. Box score doesn't tell you everything. And a lot of people tell you that. Box scores don't tell you everything. So, but talking about that is because uh, tweet was put out by uh, someone who, who gets paid to look at numbers. Gets paid to look at Sixers numbers and breaks down our analytics. Does a great job with it. Um, the Sixers had fell to 14th in the league offensively and they're 27th in the league in three-point percentage. Where prior they were 19 in the league in three point percentage. So they're getting outscored right now seven points a game from beyond the arc. Let's break this down. First off, you can make up the seven points a game elsewhere throughout the game. Defensive transition, turning defense into offense. Fast break layups, fast break points. Getting to the foul line, outscoring your opponent at the foul line, and winning each quarter. As long as you win each quarter of the of your games, whether you're getting outscored seven points from beyond the arc or not, you should until win the game. So, Nat, so the Sixers are 14th in the league in, in offense. So, it, it, it's good to look at this, okay? First thing that jumped out to me was the Sixers had a good stretch where they had to play under man due to COVID. And prior to that, Nat, prior to COVID, the Sixers were scoring about 120 
to 130 points a game, right? Right. Sixers get hit with the injury bug and the COVID protocols and playing under man, and then Maxie had to play that stretch where everyone fell in love with him, and the scoring dipped. So could that be a play of why the Sixers fell to 14th in the league offensively? Or is it just they're struggling, period? I think it's a little bit of a combination of both. They're struggling because they were bit by the injury bug and COVID protocols. When you're when you miss any amount of time, like you might have to take a little bit of time to get your game back. So COVID protocols and injury bugs, that definitely played a factor. What you cannot deny that, that played a factor. And you know what? Maybe they're just taking a little bit longer to get back in rhythm than we like. So I just think it's a combination of both. Look, when you have that many players in COVID protocol, I mean when you're down to like Having seven players, and the only reason why you didn't forfeit was because you had Mike Scott dress and take warm-ups. I mean, doesn't that say something, T-Will? Doesn't that say a lot? I mean, come on. I mean, we're dressing a guy who's hurt. And, and you go you go a two-week stretch where, you know, you, you're under me. So you, you get two weeks worth of data to compile, and then you have Embiid out. On back to backs, then you had Simmons out with the calf, and you had Curry not playing well, which until will take your three point percentage and drop it from nineteenth to twenty seventh because your best three point shooter is not playing. He's not getting enough shots, and the shots he was taking, he wasn't making. So analytics data changes. And I always say give it two weeks because you get enough games within the two weeks to compile new numbers. So my rebuttal is it will play itself out. Yeah, we're a third of the way through the season. But it's not an alarming situation at the moment because the team is starting to get healthy again. They're starting to get back to what we saw in the beginning of the season. And they only have eight losses. Not like they have 13 losses and they're, they're struggling night in and night out. I mean, the team is number one in the Eastern Conference, number one in the Atlantic Division, top two or three teams in defensive percentage and defensive rate, if not number one. So – I feel like we're kind of nitpicking at a situation and and trying to sound the alarm for something that's not there. Like making up the seven points from beyond the arc, foul shooting, I said. And I've always said this. You dominate the game at the foul line. You get the other teams in foul trouble. You get their bench to come in who definitely can't guard you the way their starters guard you. And you ask for a team by 20 points at the foul line. I mean – Embiid's rate at the foul line right now is is pretty significant, right, Nat? Don't you got we got something on that, right? Yeah. So we did some digging, and so let's take a look at it, uh, Joel Embiid's stats from uh, from the foul line. So free throw attempts per game. His rookie year, he was at a seven point nine. This season, he's getting to the foul line more than ever. Eleven point four free throw attempts per game, compared to eight point five last season. That's just free throw attempts. That's just attempts. His free Big throw man is per- putting in some work, Nat. <laughs> His free throw percentage per game is also at the highest it's ever been at .849. Nat, 
he's put he's putting in some work, right? Yeah. Big man is putting in some work. So counter that with a guy who numbers have declined a little bit, but he's still playing at a high, high level is Ben Simmons. Right, Nat? Correct. So more numbers on him. So Ben Simmons, free throw attempts per game. They should be down if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. They should be down because Ben's style of play has dramatically changed under Doc Rivers than it was with Brett Brown. Right. Under Brett Brown, the 18-19 season, he was at a 5.4 attempts per game. And this season, he's at a 4.8 attempts per game. But his free throw percentage is also up. Uh, compared to his rookie season, he was a .56 and that has increased every single season he's played, and now he's at a .636. Damn. So, though his attempts are down, his percentage is up. So, Simmons is putting in some work. He's putting in some work. So, the eye test that I see with Ben getting to the line as steady as he has been this year, it's not aggressive because his attempts are down. But his percentage is up, so he's picking and choosing when to go. Doc Rivers is broke. He he's broke Ben Simmons down, and now he's rebuilding Ben. But he's allowing Ben to be Ben on the defensive side, which Ben loves to hang his hat on. And I got no issue with that, Nat. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, and you shouldn't because I like watching him play D. To be honest with you, and I like how he's controlling the game. I love how he's controlling the game. He leaves the league in assist off the off the break right now. You know who used to do that? Used to lead the league in assist off the break? James Harden. James Harden used to lead the league in assist off the break. Ben Simmons does now. So there's a comparison that I never thought that I would be saying with Ben Simmons and James Harden. It's wild. It's wild how analytics has a play in it, but it's not end-all, be-all. So, I mean, me personally, I'm not going to get too caught up into it. Yes, it's a small concern, but use your eye test and see why the numbers slip and then why the numbers could easily go back up every two weeks. Because every two weeks, you get different numbers compiled. So, coming up, we got the fair part of the show, Q&A. And... uh, I got something that Daryl Morey said about Ben Simmons and his game right now. That is so much more in this edition of Philly Full Court Press. Keep them drinks filled. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after these quick commercial breaks. Hey, Vito's. Hey, yo. One, two, six. Hey, Hold on. Hey, hey, cheese steak. Cheese steak. Coming on. Coming on. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We got burgers. You want some burger? What does he want? A burger? We got the cheese steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the cheese steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both two. Forget about it. Drop the phone. What what, what do you want? Cheese steak or you want a burger? Hey, what's he want? Burger. Hey, Pop, he wants a cheese steak and a burger on one bus. What does he want? We do that? We don't do that. We don't do that. We know that we're asking Americans to do a lot right now. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others so that we can protect those who are most susceptible to this virus. A question I often get asked is why should young people care about the spread of coronavirus? Well, we know that people with underlying medical conditions over the age of 60 are at highest risk, but they've got to get it from somebody. 
Social distancing is really physical separation of people. It's what we refer to when we ask people to say at least six feet apart. Not going to bars, not going to restaurants, not going to theaters where there are a lot of people. It all just means physical separation so that you have a space between you and others who might actually be infected or infect you. We all have a role to play in preventing person-to-person -person spread of this disease, which can be deadly for vulnerable groups. For more information on how you can social distance, please go to coronavirus.gov. With coronavirus spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65 or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Big T Will here, Matt Marlowe. Hey, Nat, I just hit my funny bone on my elbow. You ever do that? Like multiple times. <laughs> so I'm in a little pain right now with a big smile on my face. It never goes uh, well with that. Uh, real quick, Nat, looks like we got another snowstorm this week, huh? An ice storm this time. Oh, we got an ice storm this week and. I think we got snow on uh, next week early Tuesday and coming. And then we man, that's gonna affect my drive have, to work. And then we have another snowstorm on Thursday, right behind that. It's I after believe. we're done recording. It's supposed to come after we're done recording, so I'll probably have to head into work a little bit early. Yeah, be careful, brother. Be yeah, careful you, you, out there on the roads. Thank you. You tell and me. Everyone, I appreciate it, man. And everyone else out there on the road too. Be careful. We don't want to see. Anything happened like uh, happened in Texas, man? That was awful with that uh, pileup. But uh, you know, there's a thing called black ice. You don't see it, but it's there. It's a thin layer of ice froze that freezes up on the blacktop. So drop your speed and keep your distance. Kind of like uh, like COVID. Keep your distance and uh, drop your speed a little bit. But uh, anyway. So, Nat, real quick, before we jump into uh, Q&A, uh, Daryl Morey spoke out on uh, Ben Simmons and his defense. He was with a uh, friend of the show and a uh, good brother, uh, Danny Pommels, and um, he uh, had a sit-down with them to talk about the Sixers. And, you know, we Philly Full Court Press cut up a clip of uh, Daryl Morey speaking about Ben. Uh, Nat, play that clip real quick. Well, the good thing is, I think just a lot of what's happened over the last 20 years is we can measure defense better. Not a lot of that data is public, uh, but Ben has always been a super impactful player. Uh, he's very deserving, obviously, making first team. Last year, I think he's taken a step forward. You know, what he did to, uh, you know, my former colleague James the other night was, was very impressive. Um, he just gives Doc a, a weapon. Uh, to basically stop the spear of the other team's offense. 
Uh, and then in the off chance that anybody gets beat, you know, you got Joel back there cleaning it all up. So defensively is a monster. And then offensively, uh, he really keys uh, so much of our offense uh, in terms of his ability in transition or the half court to get our guys open shots, especially from the three-point line. You know, leading the league and, and made threes off his passes is something that James used to do all the time. But now, uh, now Ben's taking over. So, Daryl Morey actually has a small concern in that clip, Matt, about Ben shooting and said, you know, the team, I guess, has addressed it, will address it. I mean, give me a read on that, Matt. Daryl Morey paying attention, huh? He's the ultimate fan. Like, he's the ultimate fan yeah. present. And it's like just the fact that he's like actually like paying attention to the sport and like what the fans are paying attention to as well and noticing these things. I mean, you don't get, I don't think you get that with a lot of other Philly teams and Philly sports. He pays attention to my tweets. Doesn't he Matt? Oh, he's (laughs) tapped our phones. Like he's, he listens to this podcast. He's our biggest fan. Shout out to Dal Mori, uh, tapping the phones and, uh, being our biggest fan. Um, I've had a couple, uh, fun, uh, back and forth with him on Twitter, so that's been cool. And uh, yeah, so Daryl Morey expressed it as well, but ultimately said Ben Simmons is, you know, he's top notch defensive on the defensive side. So you know, I'm my uh, VP of basketball operations sees it, or president of basketball operations sees it. He sees the value in Ben Simmons. So I don't think Ben is going anywhere. I think Ben's going to keep doing what he's doing. And the second half of the season, uh, he might uh, add a little more. Hopefully it's the 12 to 14 footer. Doesn't have to be the three ball. Just take the, the mid range. Take that mid range shot. The I'll tell you real quick. I have noticed, I have noticed him doing the, uh, the baby hook a lot more down in the post, Matt. I don't know if you've noticed that. I had Tom McGinnis has noticed it. Every time he goes for it, it was like, oh, Ben Simmons with a hook shot. Yeah, Ben's Ben's been knocking that that hook shot down pretty pretty frequently from left and right. So, you know, keep doing that and I'll be happy. Because you know, that that's what, eight to ten. Eight to ten away from the basket. So, you know, you, you knock that down consistently, that can open up something else as well. That can open up a back a backside alley oop to uh, a cutting player, maybe cutting Tobias or cutting uh, Joel, which Embiid uh, is so far uh, with the alley oop count. That where are we at? Is he? He's still he's under ten, right? He's still under ten. Yeah, he's under ten with alley oops. Yeah, but you know, but hey, I wasn't so sure if he had it in him, but he's taking the alley oops, which is good. Yeah, so every single bad. game. Yeah, man. Yeah, that and that. You know, that's probably working with uh, Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard and Maxie have something going on with that with the second unit. So, Dal uh, Morey, championship or bust. He could do it with Ben. I think it could happen. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, you know, I'm almost there. Nat, I'll be honest with you. I'm almost there. They look good. Even you know, even that Portland game they lost. They look good. Um, they let it slip away. They got 
let's be honest, they got relaxed and they gave uh, Carmelo Anthony a little bit too much space. And and Melo hit some tough shots. Um, Melo still got it. Like, he, he still got it. He's mellow for a reason. And uh, he, gave, he gave Tobias Harris the business. And I'm shocked that uh, Doc didn't switch to Toby off of him just to uh, cool Melo down because he was giving Tobias work. And you know Tobias was getting work when he started complaining to the rest. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know you're getting work when you start complaining to the rest about the other players scoring on you. So, but Toby's still an all-star. Let's still keep that uh, 100. He's still an all-star. And B is still an all-star. And we got to get Ben and uh, Tobias Harris in there. I like to see three sixers in there. I don't think, I my lifetime, I don't think I've seen it. Most I've seen is two. Um, but to get all three, man, that'd be, that'd be uh, pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. So, uh What's going on with the uh, Sixers schedule, Matt, coming up? Well, the Sixers schedule, let me pull it up right here. Matt's pulling up the schedule. Like I said earlier, uh, we got Sixers Suns, and uh, it's going to be a tough task. So with Sixers the si- are mighty- Go ahead, so, Go ahead Matt. Uh, so with the Sixers <laughs> schedule, they got the Suns today, or they had, they had the Suns coming up. Then they're playing the Utah Jazz That'll, that'll finish out the, the road trip, coming back to Philly to play the Houston Rockets on the 17th and the Chicago Bulls on the 19th. Then back up on another road trip up to, actually, no, not up to Canada because they're playing down in uh, in Florida now. They'll Florida. face the Raptors. Okay. I, I, I feel confident going to Florida than I do going to Canada. Sixers record in Canada is not great at all. Yeah, don't remind me. <laughs> not, yeah, we're not going there. But, um, yeah, it's going to be – you know what? That Bulls game is going to be fun because Zach Levine's actually playing well. And i like to see like to see him up close and uh, actually see what's going on. There's still a lot of chat. Excuse me. Uh, I don't know where that came from, That Is that, you know, the drink? My apologies. <laughs> Hopefully Nat cuts that out. Yo, you're drinking, you're drinking uh, too much. Sober up. <laughs> Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> no, no, like we, you, you can afford to get a little bit loose on this show if you want to. It's all good. <laughs> um, Zach Levine, I like seeing him up close. There's still a lot of chatter about him and trade talks and Bradley Beal and trade talks and uh, you know, but you know, let, that's what Daryl Morey's here for. Let him handle that. And when it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we rock with what we got. Um. Shout out to my man Daryl out in Phoenix, who uh, who's a friend of the show who listens uh, a lot. Daryl said he gave up the Pop Tarts, man, and uh, now nah, he's down like over thirty four pounds, man. So shout out to Dad Big D out there, man. Give him a round of applause with that, Nat. Um, I know you've given up the Pop Tarts as well. I mean, only because they haven't been on sale. So <laughs> that's it's not. Look, when I give up something, it like. When I actually give up something, I have to, like, think about giving it up. And it's like, if I just, like, simply drop something because it's, like, not on sale or whatever, then it's like, I don't think about it. It's not, like, not on my mind. So the Pop-Tarts, like, if you ask me to not eat Pop-Tarts for a whole year, it's like, okay, I won't even have to think about it. Okay, cool, cool. They're not on sale, so you're not thinking about it. But, um... But yeah, shout out to D man and uh, everyone else who uh, interacts with us about the health situation. 
Uh, my first week back in the gym, that uh, felt great. Uh, didn't have, I didn't have that feeling that I had back in September, October when I first went back. Um, it's a different feeling. And I guess uh, me, you know, as I said, going into the garage, getting a tune up and coming out better, it, it helped. So whatever was going on with me, um, you know, it's, it's being fixed. So felt good. Uh, week one in the books and, uh, you know, we're going to take it day by day and, uh, and see what happens. See what happens. Uh, hey, Nat, um, real fast before we jump into Q and a, uh, Sixers winning tonight. Well, two things, Ben Simmons get some deflections. Yes. And I say that because our friend of the show, Keith Pompey, he says, did you know Ben Simmons leads the NBA in deflections per game at 4.0. Loose balls recovered per game, 1.6, and total loose balls recovered all year at 36. He's second in total deflections at 92. So, remember what I said? Ben Simmons, you need him defensively? Well, there are some stats and there are some analytical numbers you can use right there. That's how you use analytics. Right, right, right. I was just about to say that. And if you use the eye test, you'll see the eye test matches the analytics right there. So, you know, big shout out to uh, Keith. Uh, we got to get Keith on uh, soon, too. Uh, we're, we're third of the way through the season. Let's get the uh, Pompeii report up. But, uh, hey, Nat, man, listen, we, we hit the part of the show, which is your favorite, my favorite uh, Q&A, where everyone has questions. We, we try to have answers. And, uh, you know, you know how to reach us. So, Matt, let's get it jumping. All right, so our first question comes from the one and only Karate Mark, also known as KM. Uh, Doc has made an obvious impression on this Sixers squad. Call it what you want, adjustment strategy, substitutions, etc. What impression has Doc Rivers made on you as a fan? What have you seen him do on and off the court to influence our first place 76ers? I talked about it earlier in the show. Um, utilizing the talent we have on the floor understanding what each player's role is defining the role knowing that the game runs through the big man and if you need a bucket you go to the big man and the big man is more dominant down low than beyond the arc and getting him to understand that as well that he's just unstoppable when he seals and gets the defender on his back underneath the basket you're not stopping him deep down there so, I mean, that's the biggest impression Doc has made for me uh, on personally this season is finally having a coach knowing the players and getting the players to understand what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, but uh, Nat, I'd like to ask you that one yourself. What do you think? He's made the Sixers enjoyable to watch. On and off the floor. He doesn't, get, he doesn't get caught watching the game. He's actually actively coaching it. I mean, the slightest thing goes wrong. Like, there's a clip of him going around. He just goes, what the F? The slightest thing goes wrong. He'll actually try to tackle it head on. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Doc's made a, a big impression on that one. So, uh, what else you got, Nat? Our next question comes from Rowan Today. With Boston and the Heat having a game plan backing off Ben, which facilitates a double on Joe and Ben's aggressiveness this year, which my eyes say he's committed more offensive fouls. Does he adjust his game for a pull-up in time for the playoffs, or does he become more passive? We also talked about, it's funny, that we talked about that 
uh, on this episode as well. I don't think he's made a lot of offensive foul. He only had one game where he was in foul trouble, one or two tops. Um, the double on Joel is fine. It's only because Joel's making the right pass out of the double before he's making a quick decision to go to the basket. said that earlier in the show that maybe in the second half of the season and the clips that we played from Daryl Morey and earlier with uh, Stephen A. Smith, that he's going to have to take that 10 to 12 uh, foot jumper because the game does change it between regular season and playoffs. So it's going to be necessary for him to to take that jumper going forward. I don't know if, if it's going to be a light switch where it just goes on when the playoffs start or are the Sixers going to start now gradually getting in his ear to tell him to start taking that shot and will the fans notice it or not or is it just going to be take two shots a game and then you know fans go ballistic or is he going to consistently start taking that 10 to 12 quarter yes I think he has to take it I agreed with Stephen A I agreed with Dal Morey uh, Nat has said it on the show I have said it on the show multiple times you know Ben's going to have to develop that but if he doesn't develop it and the Sixers still win and they still continue to hold on to their lead in the East and get past the second round and get to the Eastern Conference Finals I don't think this would be a conversation once that happens. But until that happens, it's always going to be a conversation. So what else you got, Nat? Our next one is from Pierre. Would you make any changes to the roster to truly cement a championship run? The only change I'd make right now is try to get a, a, a four in here or a stretch four. There was a report out that uh, the Sixers had interest in one uh, out on the uh, Sacramento Kings. Uh, I did post that up, Nat. Um, I'll actually repost that. But outside that, I I think that's where they their weaknesses is at the four spot. So they can get a, a good four, a good stretch four in here, or you know, or a power four. That will that will definitely help this team because lately the Sixers have been getting a butt kicked on the offensive boards. So you know, it, anything helps. That will put them over the top. Uh, backup point guard, maybe. Like I said, I, I'm okay with Maxie and Curry running the show as long as Curry's uh, healthy. Uh, Maxie, Maxie does a good job. When Shake gets healthy off his injury, I'm okay with Shake doing it too. But uh, to get the Sixers over the top, uh, Ben is going to have to adjust going down the stretch and, uh, yeah, maybe possibly bringing in a stretch four. Uh, what else you got, Nat? All right, this is from Danny. His question is, is Danny Green playing too many minutes? Should he save, should Doc Rivers save those minutes for Maxie and Thibel? Um, I think Danny Green, he, he's a veteran and Doc likes veterans and having his veteran presence on the court is a positive. I don't think he's playing too much, too many minutes. Uh, Thibel minutes have increased if you've been watching and watching the games. And Thibel's been out there, you know, with his defense as well. Uh, Maxie's the one that the oddball out right now. You know, the rookie's got to sit back and learn. Maxie has been getting into the game, but he hasn't been as productive as he was when all these starters were out. And that's what I was trying to explain to everybody who who was drinking the Maxie juice. Like, Maxie was the 21st overall pick. He's a rookie. There's, you know, if he was as good as 
Sixer Nation hype was, he would have been a top three pick. You know, Maxi has done very well thus far, and he shows a lot of promise. But I don't think he deserves more minutes than what he's getting right now, especially over Danny Green. And not for nothing, the starters are 14 and 1. You're not going to mess up that nucleus. You know what I'm saying, Nat? I do. So, all right, what else you got? All right. Speaking of Tyrese Maxey, if they're not going to play him as many minutes, then why draft him in the first round? That comes from Biggins. He's a rookie. Just because you drafted in the first round doesn't mean that you need to play so many minutes. This isn't a this isn't a process team where you're drafted in the first round to play this guy as your lead role. Tyrese Maxey wasn't drafted to be a, a lead role guy. LaMelo Ball was drafted third overall because he's the lead role guy for Charlotte. You see the difference, Nat? You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So Tyrese Maxey was drafted to be a complement to this team that now has veteran presence and spacing on the floor. It's, it, you got it. You, you got to follow. You got to kind of follow the situation. Just because he's draft, drafted in the first round, he deserves a ton of minutes. That's not true. He was even drafted in the top ten. If he was drafted in the top ten, you might ha- may have a case. But if he's drafted in the top ten, that means the Sixers are an awful team. And they're not first place in the in the Atlantic, and they're not in first place overall in the Eastern Conference. So Maxi is getting the, the minutes he has. He got his exposure. I know everyone was drinking the Maxi juice, but you know, don't get sour on it yet. You know, let the kid grow. Let him understand uh, about being in the NBA. You know, he got his feet wet. We know what he can do. You know, so let let Doc and Sam Cassell do what they got to do with Maxi. And hopefully, down the stretch, he's going to provide us with more, more offense and defensive ability than what we're seeing now. What else you got, Nat? Last one comes from Daniel. Does Doc give way too much leeway to Furkan Korkmaz? Ah, man, I thought we were going to do a whole episode without mentioning my man Cork because you know I catch I catch uh, slack about being Korkmaz's agent. Someone put out there. But, uh, <laughs> hey, man, listen. Quickmans is playing good, Matt. He's playing good ball. And if you're going to hate on Quickmans and say he's a defensive liability, I haven't seen it this season yet. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it, Matt? As a defensive liability, not a whole lot, but his minutes are down. No. So that that's part of the reason. No, he's not a defensive liability this season. We're comparing Korkmaz, and it's unfair. It's unfair to slander he gets being compared to previous years. Isn't the whole point of the NBA each year to get better? Didn't we just not give us stats on Ben Simmons getting better at the foul line each year? So how come we're not holding Ben Simmons, ben Simmons accountable for his free throw percentage based on the last couple of years, but we can hold Korkmaz's defense the last couple of years when he's playing better. Your eye tester should tell you he's playing better. He's not hurting the team. When Corkmaw starts hurting the team, yes, I will be the first one to say, get him out. 
He's hurting the team. He's not hurting the team. And he's giving you exactly what you want. Quick points off the bench with a limit amount of minutes. That's exactly what you want from Court Mod. That's exactly what you want from Shake. Because let's be honest, Shake Milton's defense is no better than Court Mod's defense this season. Let's call it Spade Spade. And everyone was on the shaky shake early in the season. And quite frankly, the bench hasn't been playing well at all the last week, two weeks, which then coincides with the analytic numbers of everything dropping. So to go back to one of the questions, yeah, maybe Doc strengthens the bench and and Daryl Morey strengthens the bench to get the Sixers over. Because right now the bench isn't playing well either. But God, Nat, why do we have so much cool boss hate when the kid is actually playing good? Brett Brown, that's why. <laughs> He's not here. He's not here. It's re- no the recency bias, man. Like they can't, they can't get Furcon, Corkmas, and Brett Brown out of their brains. It's just they see Furcon as a product of BB, and they don't want to let that go. You got to, you got to separate it. Because if he's a product of growing a bomber, then Simmons is a product, Embiid's a product, and Shake Millen's a product. Who Brett told Shake to his face he was out of the rotation. Talk about slander. Corkmas is not playing that bad. He's not hurting the team. How will Meadow hurt the team? J.J. Redick on defense hurt the team. T.J. McConnell hurt the team. Prior to this year, Cork Maz did hurt the team on the defensive side. I'm not judging Cork Maz off of last season. I'm judging him down to this coaching staff. And he's playing well. He's playing well. And that, I want to stand on this hill whether I'm alone or not. Slander, man. Shut it down, that Shut down Q&A. That was fun, man. Leave my man Cork alone. Cork, Cork is balling. He's giving you instant quarter minutes. Would you agree, Nat? Um, we're breaking Kyle Corbin's name in this conversation. I am, <laughs> I am staying out of this one. Oh, man. Hey, Nat, final thoughts, man, before we head into next week. Uh, My final, <laughs> my final thoughts... For the time being, leave Ben Simmons alone. For the time being, if he keeps helping you out defensively, then he's doing his job. That's one of my final thoughts. Another one of my final thoughts, just stay safe, people. Like, don't do anything stupid. Do not stupid <laughs> stuff. I didn't see it. Like, I don't, I don't, is it it's because of the snow? Is, is that it? I mean, seriously, it's like we see I, one cloud and most of you forget how to drive. And it's just clean the snow <laughs> off the top of your cars. Like, do what you can. Stay at home. There's still a pandemic going on. Just be smart. Please. Please. I'll, I'll actually pick you that piggyback off of that uh, being smart uh, situation uh, for my final thought. Uh, the pandemic is still out here. It's still real. You know, people, please keep your distance. Don't let your guard down. Just because a vaccine is out, the vaccine is a precaution. It's not a cure. Uh Continue to do what we're doing, and we'll get through this. We could get through this. You know, if you see someone 
being a knucklehead or hard-headed about it, listen, keep your distance from them. Because I, I can't see any more big major gatherings or parties between now and the summer or spring. Maybe St. Patty's Day, but I don't celebrate that. And bars are shut down pretty much for the most part. So if you're going to do a gathering like that, you know, you you, you reap the re- you reap whatever happens. So if something happens to you, then you know why. So just be safe about things. And the snow situation with this weather and these snowstorms, that's right. Drive safe. Keep your distance behind the drivers. Clean the snow off your car. I saw a young driver drive past me uh, yesterday or day before. Snow covered. No snow covered on the back window. Snow all top of the car. Barely snow covered off the off the side windows. You know, you're just asking for an accident. So it only takes a second. Get the brooms or your your, your sticks out. Clean the car off. So other than that, thank you everybody for listening and checking in. Appreciate y'all. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Everyone be safe out there. This is T-Will. That's Nat Marlowe. This is Philly Full Court Press. Peace.